Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Cool. Just while you're standing, Pastor Ross and Mary Lynn are, um, I think they're in Townsville at the moment or traveling back down to Townsville and have been right up to Cape York to see uh, their family, Mary's mother's property, Lockerbie Station. And uh, went, had Mary never been there and they went up there and and uh, visited that place and visited a few people and family and things like that. So uh, they just want to send their love and they're away for a couple of weeks. And uh, so good to have you here. You can take, you can take a seat. And, uh, and just as we get into this, just when I was in worship, I just had one picture just reminded of something as well. There's about a thousand pictures going on this morning. And, um, but I remember a few years ago, I was in America and we, I stood on the banks of the Mississippi River. And uh, I was at New Orleans. And if you've ever been, that river is a massive river. And there was container ships that literally come within 20 meters of the bank next to you. And they're going all the way up the middle of America and they're dropping off goods all the way and things that people need. And I just had, and God just said, there's a river flowing in this place. There's a river flowing past your life. And God's bringing you everything you need. Whatever you need, he's gonna, he's, it's coming on the ship. And he's going to drop off what you need. He's going to drop off what you need. The thing you're believing for, maybe the lack or whatever it may be, he's dropping it off and it's on its way. And uh, that the land over there we're going to develop for Bayside Care, about 7,000 has come in last week uh, with that. Uh, it's about 120,000 to build that Bayside Care facility. Um, and so we're just believing that if you, this month of June is you can give towards that. So encourage you to do that and God will bring in what we need to do that because we're doing it for people. And so this month of June uh, is the theme is stand and build. Okay, so we're going to continue with that theme this morning. And uh, But I want to talk about, take a little bit different slant on it. And, uh, you know, through the Bible, there was times when God asked people to build things. Some things were like enormous. Two that come to mind. The first one is the ark. That, Noah, that God comes to Noah in Genesis 6.14 says, Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then um, construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. This massive boat. No one ever built a boat before because God said it's going to rain. They never had rain before. They didn't even know what rain was. They had, knew what water was, but there was no rain. Never rain before. And so he said, basically, hey, water's going to fall from the sky. It's going to come out through the earth and the whole earth's going to be flooded. You're going to need this boat. And people laughed at him and all that kind of stuff, the whole story about, Noah, you, you're crazy, mate. Like, what do you, what do you mean it's going to rain? We don't even know what rain is. That's not even a thing. And so it's, it was going to happen. And so but they did it. And obviously, all the animals got on board and, and God saved his family. But it was some massive feat that they had to build. And then I think of also the temple that... King, uh, that's King Solomon built, David's son. And in 1 Kings 5, 5, it says, I'm planning to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. This is David speaking, just as he instructed, uh, sorry, just that's, this is uh, Solomon speaking, just as he instructed my father David, for the Lord told him, your son whom I will place on your throne will build the temple to honor my name. And so they built this temple. So God said, I want you to build it, David. And you're, you're not going to build it because you've been a, a warrior, you've been in battle, there's been so much blood on your hands. I'm going to get your son to build this temple and it's going to bring honor to me. So this is the temple. Do you know how long it took to build the temple? It took 20 years. 
20 years with a ridiculous amounts of gold, silver and precious stones. Like if they built that today, it would be like the one, it'd be like the number one wonder of the world, you know, like it would be it's ridiculous, the things that are built. But it took 20 years to build that. So I was thinking about there's things through the Bible, there's so many things were built and then Jesus comes along and his focus was also to build, but he didn't come to build boats or buildings, he came to build people. And he came to begin the church. And that's what I want to talk about today. Do you know that it, is, that it takes 10 positive comments to equal the weight of one negative comment? You know, someone, you know, isn't it amazing how we so easily dwell on the negative? Someone says something. They may not even mean it in that way, but they say it and like it hits you. And, and then all you start to think about is that negative comment. That person said that. About me and you know, and you have all these positive comments, maybe before it or a few after it, but you keep your mind keeps going back to that one comment, that negative comment, that thing that that they said, and you're going, oh, well, I'm dwelling on that, and we so find it so easy to dwell for some reason on the negative, and so they find it takes like ten positive comments to kind of outweigh the negative. Isn't that amazing? And. I just want to set you up with something so you've got time to think about it. But just before the end of my message today, we're going to do something. And uh, we are, we're going to, I'm going to get you for 30 seconds to stand up and walk to someone. And I don't want you to pray for them. I don't want you to prophesy over them, even though all that's good. I simply want you to encourage someone with something. And I want men to go to men and I want women to go to women. You might be one or two people. You want to see, might be one person, two people. I don't want it to be a novel. It just needs to be might be one word, might be a sentence, it might be a scripture. But I want you to think about that as I'm speaking today because I believe as you sit there, God will put one or two people on your heart that he'll, he'll want to go straight to and just encourage them with something, okay? So keep that in mind as we, as we do that just in a short while. So... When we think about Jesus, he came to build people, and that's exactly what he did, and he came to begin the church. And so, you know, crowds went looking for Jesus, but Jesus didn't often go looking for crowds. You ever notice that? Jesus went looking for the one. Crowds followed Jesus, hundreds of people, thousands of people followed Jesus. They went looking for Jesus, but Jesus didn't go looking for a crowd. He didn't go looking for an audience. He didn't go looking for, oh, here I am, come come, hang with me. I've got to go, I'll get some tension around here. I need some, get to, my name needs to be known. No, in fact, he did the opposite. In fact, he just went looking for the one. I think of people like Legion, who he jumped in a boat. They went through a storm with the disciples. The disciples thought the boat was going to sink. They thought they were going to die. And, and Jesus said, no, it's going to be okay. They get to the other side of the bank and on the other side of the bank is a guy called legion he was called legion because he had two thousand evil spirits inside of him which is a legion and he would and he was living in this graveyard and he and he had chains on his arms and he was cut and he was bruised and he's broken and he was and he stank and no one could control him and they'd chain him up because they didn't know what to do with him because he was crazy and he'd break the chains and and so Jesus went all the way across just for him and he said one word and set him free in a moment and no one else had been able to do anything to help him 
And so I think of Legion, then I think of Zacchaeus, the tax collector who everyone hated. The Jews hated him. He was had a good relationship with the Romans. They were, he was working for them. But the Jewish people, they hated him because he would, he would charge too much tax and keep the rest themselves. And, and, uh, and so Jesus went and found him and looked up and Zacchaeus said, I'm coming to your house for dinner. And the Bible doesn't go into every conversation, all the words that was had. But whatever Jesus said, whatever kindness he showed, Whatever way he spoke to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus just stands up and goes, I'm going to give back four times what I've taken. I'm going to, and he just stood up and said, I'm going to give back. And his life was changed that night because Jesus took the time to go find the one person that no one else wanted to go and hang with or be with. And then I think of the Samaritan woman at the well who Jesus, they went deliberately went through that area and he sent the disciples off and he waited at the well and this woman comes the woman that no one everyone despised she came by herself because no one wanted to hang with her she had five husbands and the man she was with the sixth man she was with wasn't her husband and so she was despised she was ostracized and in their culture Jews wouldn't hang out with a Samaritan woman but Jesus deliberately went to her and so there's three points I want to make here. And the first one is this, that Jesus was willing to risk his reputation to build others up. Jesus was willing to risk his reputation to build others up. When was the last time you risked your reputation to speak to someone that no one else wanted to speak with? To go to that person that no one else wanted to hang with, that wasn't popular. He did not shun or condemn this woman of what she'd done, but rather Jesus called her to repentance. He showed kindness to her and built her up. And I'm not going to go through the whole conversation, but you can read that in, in John chapter 4. It's an amazing story. And he says all these things. He prophetically speaks in her life and in his words of knowledge and knows things about her that gets her attention. And she realizes who Jesus was at the end of that um, conversation. So he builds her up. And it's to the point where his reputation could have got you know, ridiculed. Where people say, did you hear about Jesus? He went and hang with, hung with that woman. For just hanging out with a woman by yourself was bad enough. But then she was a Samaritan woman and we don't even speak to them. And so he risked it all, but he did not care. Because he looked at that person. That person, that woman was more important than his reputation or what other people thought. Building her up and speaking into life was more important than what other people thought. Are we willing to risk our reputation to build up people and others around us? Other people that other people that wouldn't go speak to them. Are you willing to risk your reputation to have people might have an opinion about what you said to them or go and do what you did? Some people always have an opinion. Don't worry about their opinions. They're only opinions. Just worry about what God wants you to do. And so are we really willing to risk our reputation to help those that no one else will help? The second thing is this, that Jesus was willing to have his important schedule interrupted and not push people aside so he could build them up. When was the last time you had your schedule interrupted? You had a whole lot of important things to do. And then suddenly it's like this, and God's like, oh, you gotta, can you stop and help this person? It's going to muck up your whole day. Happened to Jesus all the time. And he was willing to have his whole day wrecked. All these plans wrecked. Or so we think. He probably thought, hey, this is just life. This is how it goes. Be ready for anything. We have our schedules. 
We definitely prioritize our schedules or what we consider important. And so we see there's a story after he'd actually gone and set this guy free with the demons. He comes back across the lake and he walks in another situation. And Jarius, a guy, he's, a, he's a, in the, a man from the temple. His daughter is dying, if you remember the story. His daughter's dying and he comes to Jesus and says, my daughter's dying. Can you come and, and heal her and bring her back to life? She's about to die. And so he starts to go and, and he says, I'll go with you. Sure, we'll do that. And he is, the Bible says there's crowds pressing around him. He's got no personal space. There's people bumping into him and he's moving away and all of a sudden he stops and he said I just felt someone touch me there's power just went from me and then and then he, and people are like you're crazy what do you mean there's hundreds of people touching they're all around and this woman you know this woman with who had bleeding in her body for 12 years was the one who reached out with faith and touched him and so Jesus had this important assignment this girl's about to die and he stops in fact, he stopped and she died and she was he was willing to let her die. They all thought that was a really terrible thing to do, but Jesus said, whether she's still alive or die, it doesn't matter, I'll just bring her back to life either way. Didn't worry him. But suddenly this woman got his attention, mucked up his important mission. Mucked, if, if you're on your way to see someone who is dying, whatever come your way, you'd be like, no, that's not important. No, I need to go there. And we would, and we would, no, no, ignore, 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 ignore. We'd all do that. And we go, I've got to go to the hospital. I've got to get to this. I've got to get to that. Because it is important. But Jesus stopped to help this woman and to speak into her life. A dying person is clearly high on the list of priorities. Yet Jesus does not push others aside along the way. Jesus stops to build someone up to the point of compromising his urgent departure before the daughter dies and to the point of compromising his rights of personal space because he's getting squashed on either side with people pushing against him he stops to help a woman who has struggled to try to spend all her money the bible says on every doctor every every treatment spent all the money nothing left he's his last opportunity he knew this is her last opportunity and he stops and he stops and speaks into life and he says to her your faith your faith has healed you in front of hundreds of people, in front of all these people that would have been thinking, what are you stopping for? This, they would have heard the conversation. You've got to go. She's about to die. What are you talking to this woman for? She's not important. But she was to Jesus. More important that moment than the, than the girl that was dying. He stops and takes time and says, your faith has made you whole, which spoke to every other person. In that place, he stopped to build her up. Are we willing to have our schedules interrupted to help someone in need and to build them up? Are you willing to let your day be wrecked, your plans be wrecked? If God says to you, just stop, change your plans, that person needs me and I want to do it through you. The third thing is, well, just before we get there, there's... There's a couple of quotes. Actually, I'll just read you this one. Someone said this. There are no unimportant people who cross our daily path. Jesus will sometimes interrupt our schedule for something he deems more needy. I don't know who wrote that, but it's true. The third thing is Jesus is willing to humble himself to the lowest position 
so he could build others up. Just before, and Matt talked about it, during the Last Supper in the upper room, the Bible says he washed their feet. With this act of lowly service, Jesus demonstrated his servant leadership and humility through a task usually assigned to the lowest servant in the home. So he humbled himself to the lowest possible position as a servant and he washes their feet just before he's about to go to the cross. This foot washing was also contrasted the current attitude of the disciples because if you read before it, the disciples were having conversation about, can I sit next to you? In heaven, can I have a throne next to you, Jesus? Can we, can we rule and reign with you? And so they're like, we want to be this. We want to be that. We want to be this. And so Jesus, then next time he's with them, he gets them all down and he takes their shoes off or whatever and gets, and gets a basin and he starts washing their feet. And they're like, no, no, what are you doing? That's, that's the job of the lowest person. That's the job of a servant. What are you doing? He says, I'm showing you what it really is to serve others. I'm building you up. I'm showing you that your position or what you think you need isn't the most important thing. I'm showing you what it's like to live. And so he washes their feet. This whole thing demonstrates what we are to be like in the church. Jesus came to build up people and he came to build the church. We are being consistent in the same way that we are here to serve others and to help others and to build each other up. It also consistent with the rest of his life. Jesus came, he was born in a stable, laid in a manger. He taught that he came not to be served but to serve others. But the ultimate act of such humility was when he went to the cross after being that, that last supper, after washing his feet, he goes to the cross and lays down his life so that we could all have life, so that we could all have forgiveness. When we, when we humble ourselves and serve others, it's a blessing to do it and it's a blessing for those who receive it. There's blessings both ways. When you're, if, you're, if you're in a position of authority or something and you, can, you help someone out, but they can't help you back, the blessing's going one way. But when you humble yourself and bless someone, blessing flows both ways because they've realized that you've humbled yourself to help them, positioned yourself to build them up, positioned yourself to help them. James 1.27 says, True spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our Father God, is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans, the widows, in their troubles, and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. To make a difference in the life of orphans, widows, and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. James 1 reminds us that pure religion is to visit the needy, to help those who are lowly to help those that are in need to help those that need to be built up we build others up with our words and our actions we build others up by what we say and what we do william arthur ward says flatter me and i am in, and i may not believe you criticize me and i may not like you ignore me and i may not forgive you encourage me and when i and i will not forget you Encourage me and I will not forget you. 
God wants us to be the best people at building others up because Jesus showed us the way to do it. When we build others up, it helps people to grow closer to God. When we build and speak into lives, you know, the church, us in this building right now, the church isn't a building. The church is people. You know, it's... um, you know, I see some people I've, I've talked to over the years and they've gone to a church because they love the facilities or they love the architecture or they love the, the look of the building. Oh, that's, I'm going to that church because I look, look of it. But they're only going for a building. That's, that's not the church. The church is its people. We need, we need to be a part of a church because of what people are like. That would be like saying, I'm, I'm, going, I love going to the, I'm going to go shopping and I love this shopping centre because it looks so nice, it's so new, and it looks so nice. I just love looking at all the new things there. And, but, the, but you walk in, but the prices are the most expensive. The people are unfriendly. They're not nice at all. The shops, everyone you walk into, they're not nice and you're not getting a great deal or anything like that. Oh, but I'm just going to continue going there because I love the look of the building. I love the look at it. It's so nice. It's so new. But someone else goes, well, I'll just go to the shopping centre down the road. It's not the nicest shopping centre. But the prices are cheap. The people are lovely. They're friendly. And I'm going there because the people respect me and they love me. And, they, and they, the way they speak to me and the way they, they serve and all that kind of stuff. They're like, I go there because of the people. And that church is about the people. It's about people come because they want to be built up. And so we need to be people that build each other up. Romans 15.2 says we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. You know, we're either building people up with our words and our actions or we're actually tearing them down. Whether you realize or not, sometimes we do things and say things that we don't mean to, but we actually tear someone down by the way we maybe sometimes might be like you didn't give enough of your attention or time or something you said they took it the wrong way. And so we can, without knowingly doing it, we can tear others down. But we need to be conscious that we need to be always building each other up with our words and our actions. Just flick down to this last page here. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 17, and Paul wrote this and he says this, and this really sums things up. This really brings things together and shows a picture of how we as the church are work together. It says, who is Apollos really? Or who is Paul? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believed our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned to us? I planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it, but it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden. So then it's now it's talking about the church. It says like, it's like the people, like us here today. It's like you're like God's cultivated garden. The house is his building. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Builders beware. Let every builder... Do his work carefully according to God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay 
an, an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, Paul says, the church has been set, the only foundation is Jesus. That's it. You try and make a different foundation, it's not going to work. It's going to fall apart. And he said the foundation that Jesus came, he built into people. He started the church. The church began when Jesus left and has spoken to those lies. And the church was planted and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. The church started and the foundation has always been Jesus and always will be Jesus. And so he is the foundation of the church. And it says the quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation of Jesus will soon be made apparent whether it has been built with gold, silver and costly stones or wood, hay and straw. Now what does that mean? I had a little bit of a look. So gold, silver and costly stones represent, they speak of God's way of building lives. Talking about supernaturally transformed and redeemed lives. If you go right into it, it leads right back to the temple when they've got Solomon built and those same materials were used in the temple to build God's temple and they represent stuff. And so they speak of God's way of doing it. In other words, there's God's way of building the church. There's God's way of building lives. Remember, the church is people. And so it's God's way of doing it. Then it talks about wood, hay, and straw. And these speak of man's way of building lives. So you can try and do it in your own strength. And you can try and do it with creative ideas and and things and, and a program or whatever it may be. But ultimately, if it's not God's way of doing it, it's going to get tested because then it says this. This gets a little bit more scary. Their work will soon become evident for the day will, uh, for the day will make it clear because it will be revealed by blazing fire and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction like one being rescued out of a burning house. Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary? This is talking about us as people. And that the Spirit of God makes his permanent home in you. Now if someone desecrates God's inner sanctuary, that's talking about people, God will desecrate him. For God's inner sanctuary is holy, and that is exactly who you are. So it says, there's a lot in that, but it says that what we do in the end is going to get tested with fire. Right? God's going to kind of put some heat on, in this situation, on our lives. And, and if, if we try to build things in our own ideas, own strength, own way and do it my way and, and not do it God's way, then it's going to actually get burned up and tested. And it said it's gonna, he said, you'll still get saved, you'll still get to heaven, but it's going to be like you're running and escaping down a hallway and the flames are coming in and you're about to get consumed and you make it through just at the last minute and God rescues you and, you, and you're, like, you're pulled in. It's like you, he's looking at you go, you just made it. You just made it. But he said, if you built it the way he wants you to, if we built people the way God wants us to build people and and we built into each other, he said, it's like you'll get rewarded. It's like there's no fire. There's nothing touching it. You can stroll down that hallway going, hey, 
Hey, Jesus, I'm here. And it's like he walks in here. I've got a reward for you. So it says, and he says, well done, well done, well done. And so there's, it's going to get tested. It's going to get tested the way we live. It's going to get tested what we say, what we do is going to get tested. And Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. So it's like, you can try all you want doing it your way or my way. I think this is a great idea. And there's, it's great to have ideas. It's great to have programs, all that kind of stuff. And God can be in all of it. We just need to make sure we do it His way and have Him a part of it and listen to Him and let Him work through us and in us. And He'll use whatever He needs to work. But the moment we try and step away and go, it's okay, God, I got this. It's all right. I can do this. I can, I, this is a great idea. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to get through this myself. I'm going to make it myself. And he's like, okay, okay. He said, but you, you kind of build them with a bit of hay and straw there. I said, you know, he's just sort of thinking, you know, when the fire comes, when the fire comes, if you don't get that foundation right or change that, it's going to get burnt up. Then you're going to come running. I'll rescue you, but you're going to be running and you're just going to make it through those flames. He said, you best just to do it my way from the start. Find out my direction. Find out my way of doing things. Dale Carnegie wrote a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a Christian book um, written on biblical principles. Here's five. Here's five that I'm going to read out. And then at the end of this five, I'm going to give you one minute to stand up. I know, I know. I know. It's okay. Don't be afraid. Stand up and just find one person. Men go to men. Lady go to ladies. And, and give them one encouraging word or a sentence or a scripture that maybe God has put on your heart. I'm going to have one minute to do that. It might be one person, two people max. And then come back and take a seat and we're going to wrap it up. Here's five things he said out of this book. Ready? It says, become genuinely interested in people. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't, know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Smile. If you want to draw others to you, light up your face with a smile. Remember names. Who's good at that? <laughs> Everyone's went, oh. Even I struggle to do that. Remember names. A person's name is the sweetest and most important sound to that person. The other week in kids' church, I, I called, there was, was a couple of brothers, and I, and I called one of them the, the other brother name, the wrong name. He is like, what? He was about, he's actually half stormed out of kids' church. Like, yeah, it's my brother. You call me. And they're like, whoa. And it's like, I'm sorry. I've just, I called your brother. And he was, because I didn't get his name right. It really affected him. Uh, he's forgiven me. We're friends again. But, um, but it's important to remember names. It's so, it's so, you know, if you can remember someone's name, they've only told you it once, and you see them again like a week later, and you say their name, people, they're so impressed. They're like going, wow, you remembered my name. And do you know what it does to them? It makes them feel important. Makes, you, makes them feel like you actually care about them. That you're actually genuine. Do you know what? They'll listen to everything you say after that. You can tell them the biggest conspiracy theory that's going around and they'll think it's truth. Just don't do that though. Because you remember their name. It's true. If you remember their name, if you keep remembering their name, I'll tell you what, people, people, they will come to you. If you remember people's names, you'll have so many friends. You, you want friends? Remember people's names. And don't talk about yourself too much. 
It's true. If you want to get less friends, just keep talking about yourself. They'll slowly drift off. Remember names. Number four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. So in other words, ask questions that say, you know, what do you do? And so it's okay to talk about yourself or stuff like that, but, you know, just ask them, you know, like be interested in what they're doing because it will draw people, okay? These are all biblical principles. And number five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. Treat others the way they want to be treated. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat them with respect. Build them up. Okay, stand to your feet. You've got one minute. One minute, find someone. Maybe you've got someone in mind. Maybe it's a random person. Guy, guys find a guy, girls find a girl and say something to them. Okay, you've got 30 seconds. If you've seen one person or two people, once, once, you've, once you're done, you can take a seat. Once you're done, you can go back and find your seat. There's no pressure to go and find a whole lot of people. You've got 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Worship team, you can come on up as well. Okay, that's it. That's time. You've got to stop saying the novel to the person next to you. There's a word limit. You get marked down for too many words. Awesome. Well done. Hey, give yourselves a hand because that was awesome. You guys did that. Now, isn't that good? Now, I know some of you do that maybe each week or when you come to church and you do that just naturally and, and uh, find someone, encourage them. But what if you came to church every Sunday? And decided, today, I'm going to make sure every Sunday I find someone and build them up. God, who do you want me to speak to today? If we did it every week, what effect would that have on the person? Because you have no idea what some people may become into this, walk into this place today and what they're dealing with, what their struggle has been. But that one word could change everything. So I'd encourage you from now on that every Sunday... Why don't you come to church and look for one person that through the week you say, God, you know, what, what's one thing you want me to say to someone? It could be, say, you know, it could be a scripture. It could be just some, just words of encouragement that God loves you. He cares about you. He knows what you're going through. He's with you. Don't worry. It could be something real simple. And then you see a person and God just points someone out to you or you just want to encourage someone. I encourage you every Sunday, Come. And find one person and do that because it will change everything. Yeah. It's, about, it's biblical. It's what Jesus came and said to do, to build each other up, to encourage one another with words of life. It transforms people when we do it through God's Spirit and through His Holy Spirit working through us. I want to read one last scripture. And we're going to wrap it up today. In Psalm 103. 1 to 6 and 10 to 12. This is Psalm about David speaking because the last thing you can do is you can build yourself up. 
You build others up, but you can build yourself up. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you because it edifies myself, because it builds me up. He said, I do that all the time. And so you can build yourself up by, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in the heavenly language, you can do that. You can build yourself up in prayer. And David in Psalm 103 wrote these words. And he wrote this psalm to himself. He wrote this psalm to himself. So you can read it for yourself. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And he keeps going on. And then it gets to verse 10 and 12. He says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. So David went through a whole lot of stuff. And he just wrote that to himself saying, praise the Lord. Reminded himself how good God was. Remind himself how much God had done. Just close your eyes just for a moment, just before we wrap it up today. I just want to ask one question. That one verse at the end says that he has cast all our sin, our transgressions, our mistakes, our failures. He's cast it from as far as the east is from the west. In other words, it's unseen. It's like when Rach got up and said about looking back in the mirror about your past. It's like God's removing it so it's unseen. It's the same concept. It's the same thought. The reason why it's a prophetic um, psalm because it's talking about what Jesus was going to do in the future. It's a picture of what Jesus did. And because of what He did on the cross for us, He cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. When you come to Him and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life. He forgets it. He forgets your sin. He wipes it clean. He says, you can forget it as well because I've paid the price for all of it and you don't need to worry about it anymore. The past is in the past. I've wiped it away. I've paid the price. And now you can step into a brand new future of freedom and transformation. And with every eye closed, just for a moment, we don't often go past a service without asking a question. of If you don't know Jesus here today, we just want to give you an invitation to come to know Him, to respond to Him, to ask Him into your life, to ask Him to come and be Lord of your life. That means Jesus, come and take control. To ask Him into your life, asking Him to forgive you. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. We've all you know, missed the mark. We've all sinned. We've all made, you know, done things we wish we would have done. It's called sin. But Jesus has come to set us free from the power of sin. And he wants to set you free today. And if there's anyone in this place saying, would you just pray for me? I just want you to raise your hand in this place. So I'd love to pray for you today. If you're here and you've never done that, or you feel distant from God, like you need to come back to Him and get right with Him. If that's you today, just lift your hand in this place because I'd love to pray with you. Is anyone here? We don't want you to leave this place without that opportunity. Thank you. Anyone else here today? Anyone else today? You know, it's 
it's worth asking that just for one because Jesus always went after one. If Jesus left crowds to go find one person, doesn't that speak volumes of how much he cares for one person? That's why it's so important to him that sometimes when we're off busy doing a whole lot of things and he stops you and he said, I just want you to go to talk to that person or call that person. It's because he cares for that person more than you do. Because he, it's important to him that everything else you're going to do is not important in that moment than that person. And so I pray this week the Lord, I thank you for your love and your kindness. I thank you, Lord God, for the hand that was raised. Thank you, Lord, for your freedom and your grace. Everyone just repeat this after me, this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. Thank you that you make me brand new. Thank you that you wash me clean. Thank you, you cast my sin away as far as the east is from the west. That you forget about it that you want me to forget about it. Thank you, Father God, for sending your Son, Jesus, to die for me. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, for everyone here today that you would just, Lord, instill in them such a passion and desire to build others up. That we would come, Lord, be ready, Lord, every day to speak words of encouragement and life to build others up, that you would put people on our heart, Lord God, that you would stop us, Lord God, through our week. And when there's someone that you know that needs encouragement, that needs a word, that you would stop our busy schedules, Lord God, and you would stop us, Lord, and, and show us, Lord God, that we can speak life into people. So I pray today your blessing and favour. I thank you, Lord God, that as people, Lord God, spoke those words of encouragement to people just before, I pray that those words have touched hearts in this place, Lord God, and they are building others up. I thank you that you're building your church, that, Lord, there is hundreds more, there is thousands more yet to come into your kingdom, Lord, in our city alone, Lord. And so I pray that you would use us, Lord Jesus. You would use us, Lord God, our lives, Lord God, our words, our actions, what people see, how people see us treat each other will be a witness to the world out there, Lord God, of your love, of your power and your grace, Lord God. And I pray that, Lord, as we begin, Lord God, as we speak life into people, I pray they'd come into your kingdom and they would encounter you, Lord God, in our streets, Lord, in our homes, Lord God, in this place, Lord God, in this building, Lord God, wherever it may be, Lord God, in shopping centres, in businesses, Lord, I pray that you would just have your way and you'd use all of us, Lord God, to bring others and draw others to you, Lord God, by the way we speak and what we do, Lord God. Holy Spirit, help us, empower us, and strengthen us to do that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.